Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Film Haven Reviews. I am your host Sawyer as always, and today we are ending our backwoods horror theme with House of Wax from 2005. This movie is mostly known for being that horror movie with Paris Hilton in it, and when most people think about it, they just think about Paris Hilton, which is really funny because she's actually not in the movie that much. Um, She dies in a kind of inconsequential way, and her entire character is fairly inconsequential, actually. And it's not like she does horrible or anything with her acting, but it's just right off the bat, I was like thinking that she was going to be a much more main character because from what I knew about the movie, I knew that she was in it. But she was really just a side character and then a side character that had a very unimportant demise. But that being said, this movie is way better than I was expecting. Me and my girlfriend put it on. It was just going to be one of those movies, you know, you're laying in bed and you're just like, oh, let's just put on a nice little horror movie just to chill. I know some people don't do that, but we do. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's nice to put uh, a movie that's not, you don't have to think about too much. So I thought it was going to be some mid-2000s trashy slasher film and you'd probably fall asleep. And of course, at the beginning of the movie, it definitely feels like that's what's, what it's going to be. Uh, the story starts off with this group of teenagers who are going to the big game, and they've kind of they've got tents and stuff because they're expecting to maybe stay and camp out so they can get there nice and early and tailgate. And they unfortunately don't make it to the game that night, so they have to stop in this backwoods area in the middle of nowhere. And of course, their car gets sabotaged, and now they're in the middle of nowhere and need to fix their vehicle. This sounds almost like Wolf Creek. But instead of the killer character coming to them, they go to this adjacent town that is almost abandoned. When they're walking in, it's like almost like Mayberry. There's, or there's a lot of towns. I'm from Tennessee, so there's a lot of towns in Mid-South Tennessee that that have this one strip of downtown area that has a repair depot and a church and a couple of houses and then maybe like a grocery store. And that's kind of the vibe that you're getting here, but it's nestled in a bunch of woods. There's actually no way for a vehicle to get into the town because the road is kind of closed to get in. And that's when the mystery really starts. Like At that point, once the characters that go to the town go there, the movie changes from this schlocky teen slasher to a horror mystery thriller. And I loved that pivot. And it was very surprising to me. I'm going to try not to ruin too many things because I honestly think one of the things that made this movie so fun for me was that element of unraveling, the story unraveling, the plot points unraveling, the nature of that town unraveling. Of course, at the end of the town, up on the hill, there is the House of Wax, the titular wax museum. And what's so cool about that place is that as the characters come up to it, they realize like the walls are made out of wax. The entire structure is made out of wax. It is not just a wax museum, the museum is wax, and everything inside of it as well. And that set design is one of the things that immediately piqued my interest and elevated this movie above your normal slasher film. The budget is about $40 million, 
which is a lot more than your average run-of-the-mill slasher film. And so I think this movie really was trying to elevate itself. And that wax museum definitely does that. It's really cool inside. You got people everywhere and the counters and the stairs and the mirrors. I mean, everything is made out of wax. And of course, the production designers and the set designers obviously didn't actually make everything out of wax. But it's very believable and it's one of the first like, whoa, moments that you have in the film. And it kind of just unravels more and more from there. So you see some people, like there are very few people in the town. You see them like in the church. There's a lady that's kind of looking through a window. But there's more to those people than you might think. And that's where this kind of almost Twilight Zone vibe comes in. It feels like a really dark episode of Twilight Zone. There's tons of those Twilight Zone episodes where it's like Last Man on Earth or you go into a strange town and there's no one around. What's going on? And I I really dug that too. There's not that often that you have a movie that is a slasher. I mean, there is a killer in this movie and that killer has a layer and he's got tunnels that are all around and it's definitely more of a masked slasher killer held within but his story is very connected to the town and connected to some people in the town. And I'm being very vague on purpose. And so the story, there is mystery to it. There's a history there. And it just feels a little deeper and more substantive than other movies of this film's ilk. The way that the beginning of the movie displays itself is almost a fake out to the quality that's later to come. I'm not sure if it's in purpose, though. I would hazard to say it's not. But for me, who's coming to this film about 18 years after it comes out, that shift between trashy teen movie and legitimate horror mystery is very palpable. I honestly appreciate it because I like both types of movies. There's definitely a place for trashy slasher movies, And there's definitely a place for horror mysteries. But how many times do you get them to really collide in a way like this? And I really appreciate that novelty. There's also a lot of genuine thrills. And the movie feels like a pure thriller as well, especially in that second half. Once the ball drops, once the facade of some kind of normalcy or placidity goes away and the nefarious intentions of the killer is unveiled there is it's not just a cat and mouse they're like the characters fight back people are not just sitting around taking things and running away there's definitely a tit for tat when it comes for uh like i'm not just gonna let you kill me unless you're paris hilton of course but for the most part most a lot of the characters especially the two um main characters a sister and a brother they kind of work together to find out what's going on and to combat the evil that is attacking them. And that the way that that is done is also done very well. I mean, I am just honestly, I'm pretty flabbergasted that this movie has a 5.4 user rating on IMDb and a 41 Metascore. Um, I think that's very unfair. I think that people need to go back and look at this movie again. I think the sensationalism of having Paris Hilton in the movie maybe at the time smoke screened what people were expecting 
and because no one expected her to act well, which it's not like she acts like horrible, but she also is like obviously not an actress. Like, give her a break, you know. Obviously, she was trying to do something different. Um, in some ways, it worked. They it wasn't a box office failure. I I would love to see like a House of Wax two or a remake of it come out somewhat soon. Let's see uh, what the box office was like. Forty million dollar but estimated budget. And a $68 million gross worldwide. So it didn't quite double its money or anything, but it, it wasn't a, it didn't tank. So I'd say that it was success in the box office, but yet some people have such mid reviews about it. And I'm not sure where it's coming from, to be honest. Maybe people just didn't make it through. They watched the first bit and they were like, oh, this is some dumb movie. And they turned it off. I don't know. I, I thought it was a great movie. And the climax. Once again, I'm really not trying to reveal stuff on this one. I know it's an 18-year-old movie, but I feel like a lot of people skipped out on this, including myself, because it looked kind of dumb, but it's not. I mean, it, you know, put your put your 2005 movie hat on, of course, while you're watching it. Don't be comparing it to the quality of some things of today, but for the time, there is creative kills, there is like for the horror fan, there are creative kills. There's moments of like, Ooh, uh, there's a there's a moment like I'll, I will reveal this. There's a moment where a girl is like held underneath a sewer grate, and the killer isn't ready to kind of reveal that he's bad yet. And he's talking to the bro- to the what's the sister? And he's talking to the brother, and he just kind of like slowly walks over while he's talking to the brother, acting like like distracts him, and then goes over because she's trying to like warn the brother like with her finger, like hey I'm down here, and he just kind of like slowly walks over and gets some wire cutters and just goes. Bop! And snips her finger off and it's like oh like it's simple but it gets you it's very effective and there's like tons of little things like that within the movie so i just love the amalgamation of horror mystery thriller excitement there's a lot of exciting like the climax is very exciting and there's story to be had like the dynamics between the killer and some other things in the town develops over time and reveals itself at the perfect pace for you to stay interested and to like ask questions to you or whoever you're watching it with you know or to yourself just being like well oh so that's the motivation there that's the dynamic there and then for when for when the climax happened all those motivations come together and they make it even more impactful so i really just i I really enjoyed this movie and I think it gets a bad rap. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a horror slasher, you know, mid 2000s movie. So I'm I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. It's not like going to like change the world or anything like that. But I think it's very um, underrated. And I think that people need to give it a shot. If you watched it back in 2005 and you weren't that into it or you passed it up because you heard it wasn't that good. Go back to it. I think it's on HBO right now. At least that's where I watched it. And go go watch it and see what you think about it. I think it's a pretty easy and solid 8 out of 10. It, it delivered everything it was trying to do. And it was a pleasant surprise for me. And I really tried not to give too much away. Because there's some fun little twists and turns in the movie. And just some like memorable moments that will become more memorable if you don't know what you're looking for when you get in there. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, and I recommend it to anyone who's into good horror and uh, doesn't mind watching some movies from the 
mid 2000s. You know, on that point real fast, the mid 2000s and the early 2000s get a bad rap for bad uh horror movies like it was a dip in horror, but man, there's some iconic movies honestly, like House of Wax was really good. 2005 Wolf Creek was 2005 and that was good. I mean, can't remember what I gave that like a 6.5. That was solid. Uh there's been a couple movies that I've gone back and watched and I'm like, this is good. The Ring I just rewatched The Ring with my girlfriend, and that movie is, that movie holds up. Random recommendation. Go back and watch The Ring. The color palette, the cinematography, the way that the story unfolds, it's very mysterious, and then genuinely creepy. I mean, even me, who's very seasoned at watching spooky things, that well scene is terrifying. And... I think that the mid to early 2000s needs needs to, to get maybe a little second look at from horror fans because there's a lot of movies around that time that were better than what, I guess, horror history would, would have you believe. I'm not really sure where that sentiment is coming from now that I'm going back and watching all these movies. I mean, Saw is 2004. The Descent and Hostel came out this year, 2005. I feel like 2005 is kind of a big year for horror, honestly. So anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Um, that's it for Backwoods Horror. We went a little weird. Um, the first movie was more of a thriller with some horror elements. The second movie was straightforward horror, but it wasn't in the backwoods. It was in the backcountry and splitting hairs there. This movie was actually in the backwoods, which was nice. I actually, I think this one kind of embodies that idea more than anything because it does actually have that isolated feeling this town is completely cut off at some point i think they even talk about how it's like not literally not even on a map which i think is just so fun and mysterious especially considering that it does have a development to it like some of these buildings are cool you know this is a nice little downtown area but the fact that no one knows about it ooh, just really peaks that that mysterious tone that i like so much um so yeah Next week, I think I am going to start a new theme called Underground Societies. I want to try to get away, you know, I want to maybe split my horror stuff up a little bit. Um, I could do horror every every uh, theme, but I don't want this to be a horror podcast. I want to do a lot of different types of movies. So Underground Societies, I think the third movie might still be a horror movie, but the first two are definitely not, and... It's gonna, I think that's an interesting theme that most people don't think about. And it was honestly very difficult to find movies about underground societies, specifically societies. Not like like The Descent or a cave movie, but a movie where you go underground and there are people living there, a social aspect to it. And I think that's a fun little twist. So, all right, that's it for me. I'll see you guys next Friday, and I hope you have a good week. And go watch House of Wax on HBO. I highly recommend it, more so than a lot of my other reviews I've done so far. All right, see you guys.